Thanks for tuning in to a Sunday service. This week, we'll hear a message from Pastor Andy Bowles. We've been in a series of messages uh, since Mother's Day on faithful families. And the reason that we're able to preach every Mother's Day to Father's Day on families, some idea, some, some biblical trait of, of families, it's because we at Embrace, we appreciate a healthy family. And a healthy family not defined as society would define a healthy family. Because sometimes the world would define health in a different way than Christians define health. And that health doesn't mimic the health that the Bible reveals to us or how God wishes us to live into a pattern of health. Not just healthy do we want to be financially or physically. And I think the world kind of promotes and focuses only on those things. But we want to be mentally healthy, emotionally healthy, spiritually healthy, relationally healthy And so we hope and pray that throughout this time, this series of messages, you guys have gotten the point. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you recognize how God has tied all this together, but you see, even this morning, and what just happened with Miss Ginger and going back to her family and her seeing the importance of being with her family, you said 11 years, right? Did y'all know that God can restore the years the locusts have eaten? Come on, he can bring beauty from ashes, right? This is the kind of God that we serve. And, and so we believe that if you've had a difficulty in your, in your family, God can restore that family. God can bring health where there was unhealthiness. And God can restore. And so we've talked about things like legacies in us, being able to leave a godly legacy for our family. We talked about marriage and the master. We talked about parent, parenting pivots. And if you're a parent, you know that it takes pivots in life, right, as a parent. Because the kids are growing up in seasons and they're changing. And it's something that we don't like to talk about, but we're changing too. It's not just them, but we're going from one season of life to another season of life and our life is changing. Therefore, there's a need of those pivots. And then this past Sunday, Greg preached on eliminating enablement and entitlement. And so today we're going to continue this thought of faithful families because we love you and we want you to have a healthy family. We're going to look at another subject of interest, which is leading with liberty this morning. Leading with liberty. If you got your Bibles, you can go ahead and flip to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 15 through 18. It's going to be the verses that we look at, but don't forget our main passage of scripture that we originally looked toward is Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 28. That's kind of the diving board because that's the beginning of all things. We were on this mission trip this past, uh, past week. I had the opportunity to preach to the youth group Wednesday night and I uh, gave questions. You know, I said, you're going to ask any question about Mrs. You want to just one question, man, I thought they were going to ask if we wore shoes, if we took baths on days, not just on Saturdays. Ah, I thought that was going to be the questions, but, but I asked if there was a, a biblical question, I, I asked, and, and the biblical question was this, why is Genesis the first book in the Bible? What does it mean? And had the opportunity to say Genesis just simply means, by the way, when you say Genesis, you speak a Hebrew word, it just means the beginning. And so even in the beginning, God is establishing certain things for us to give foundation for our life. Do not attempt to mimic your lifestyle, your family, you being a father, you being a mother, you being a child by what you see on TikTok. It's not going to work. It's not going to last. And it's definitely, more than likely, not going to honor God. And so where do we go to find the healthy pattern of being a 
good husband and a good wife, a good mom, a good dad, a good child, a good grandparent. You go to the Bible. And the best place to go whenever you're starting to learn these things is to the beginning. You don't want to skip over the beginning. And so we see in the beginning, when God created all things, he created them male and female. Jesus in Mark chapter, chapter 10 says he created them male and female for this call shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. He gets that idea from Genesis chapter 1. And in verse 26 through 28, it gives the ideas of after our likeness, dominion over, subduing all creatures of the world. Why would God's Holy Spirit inspire Moses to write in particular those words? Let me just say this real quick. Guys, make sure you know this, understand this, that every word in the word of God is important, intact, and in its right place. The Bible is true, sure, it has no error, it does not contradict itself, it complements itself, and whenever God is speaking through Moses by his spirit to write that word for us here in the year 2023, it has as much power now as it had then. So the word of God is true. So well, we just gotta figure out what it means, and the good news about it is the author of the one who wrote it, the Holy Spirit, is here with us teaching us what it means. And so when you read those ideas after our likeness, how do we compare the theme for this morning or the thought of this morning leading with liberty as it's sown in the fabric of those verses? After our likeness, God says. In other words, God has created us in his image, in his likeness, and God is a leading God. Therefore, when we are right with God, we are okay to lead. Now you need to hear that. The fact of the matter is every person in this world, every person that is in this room is a leader of some kind. Why? Because you have influence of some kind over some group of people. Whether it's a small group or a large group, you are influential. Turn to your neighbor and say, you influence me. I hope that was true. <laughs> And all of us are leaders in some kind of way because all of us are influencers. And so you don't have to have a YouTube channel to be an influencer. We're all influencers in some kind of way. That means we're leaders. The question is not, are we leading? The question is, are we leading well? Are we leading right? Are we leading the right way? Right? And so God, because of who he is, he's Father, Son, and Spirit, he is a leading kind of God. He's not a sitting, pointing, do this, go there kind of God. He is a God who has gone before us. That is the purpose or one of the purposes of God becoming man, Jesus coming to the earth. That's why Peter the apostle, who was a cussing fisherman in one moment and a converted saint in the next moment, who says, watch his steps. Wherever he steps, you put your soul and your foot in the track that he left behind and you'll be okay by the way that's paraphrased <laughs> but that's basically what he was saying so God is a leader and so we're created after his image therefore we are image bearers of God therefore we are leaders we are those who influence we are to have dominion power authority because we are subdue all of these are points of leadership under leadership you see that's the pleasure that we as Christians get to have you see, for the Christian, there is authority. There is not anarchy. How many of you guys know the difference between the two, right? If you were like me and you grew up in the 80s and 90s, it was a real cool thing back in the day to be like skateboard 
anarchy, have the, have the shirts with the A across through it. You know, here we are. We're rebels. We're going against the flow. You can't tell us what to do. Thumb at, at authority, right? We didn't do this. We did another motion, but we're in church. I'm not going to do that. And so that's, that's anarchist somebody who's against the authority. But we as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, as image bearers of God, ones who have been given dominion to subdue all the things of the earth, we are leading intensely and intentionally, but we're also, as we have this influence, desire to lead with liberty. And how we do that is by the authority that we're given. Sometimes people think that they have more liberty without authority. You know what you have liberty to do when you have no authority? Blow it. That's what you have liberty to do. Blow it. Make a mess. Have nobody to watch your blind side. Have nobody to hold you accountable. Have nobody that's around you to help pick you up when you fall down. That's what happens when the anarchist in us comes out. That's whenever we say, I'm willing to lead, but I don't want any authority. You need authority. You need to love authority. Now, God has obviously given us authority all around us. Authority that we can't escape. One is government. We can't escape the authority of the governed. Another is, is the parental system. Uh, how, how parents have authority over, over children. It's in schools, the teacher and the administration of the school. It's a coach who uh, has authority over his players. There's authority all around us. There's also authority within the church. God gives the church elders to exercise authority for the benefit and blessing of a church. Why? Because the elders are under the authority of Christ who submits himself and his will under the authority of God the Father. Authority is good. It's not bad. The world is going to tell you it's bad because the world wants you to be in misery like they are. So true liberty is not outside of the realm of authority. True liberty lives inside of this confine of, of authority. God is gracious to us and merciful for us, and he pours out blessing over us as we look to him and trust him and obey him. It's when authority permits ability, then leading comes with liberty, and Paul He's getting ready in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 to conclude this first out of three letters. Two letters made it into the Bible, one letter didn't. But we see where he's writing this, and he's, he's going to mention a, a few people who, who he remembers. The crazy thing about Paul the Apostle is he met tons and tons and tons of people, but in, when he's writing by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he only remembers certain groups of people or certain people to write about. Why is that so? Remember who the ultimate author is. The Holy Spirit is wanting us to know who Paul encountered and for what did he encounter them by. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 15. Notice what it says. I beseech, now this is King James Bible. I beseech means implore, means to, 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 to beg, to earnestly ask. And so Paul, by the Holy Spirit, he's saying, hey guys, I'm, I'm really asking y'all to pay attention you know, it's kind of like when the preacher gets ready to say something and he maybe hits the, hey, listen up. I really need you to get this because this is going to be something that can absolutely transform your life. You didn't come here just this morning for the coffee, although the coffee you'd embrace is out of this world. That's not the only reason you came here. You came here to get something more. This is the more right here, okay? 
And so that's why Paul the Apostle says that the way he says that. I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus. He was a pretty well-known guy. People knew him because of his reputation that, that was a reputation of, of good. His testimony had been known. It says, that is the first fruits of Achaia. He was one of the first Christians in that area. And they have, I love this part. Man, how I love this part. They have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. So many times we find ourselves addicted to everything but that. But God's called us to that. Verse 16, he says, that ye submit yourselves unto such. Submit because there's authority, right? To everyone that helpeth us, uh, helpeth with us, and laboreth, laboreth. These guys are, are, are help. I want y'all to know if you're on the same team, submit to this guy. We're going to go in the same direction. Verse 17, I am glad of the coming of Stephanus, and I'm going to throw a couple of more names out there that I'm going to have absolute. I never heard their mamas call them by these names. So, Fortuanus and Achaicus, for that which was lacking on your part, they have supplied. For they have refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore, acknowledge them that are such. Paul says, it's really important that you guys get this message, that there are those that are with us who are examples to us because they have lived in certain ways that honor God. Aren't you glad whenever you run under the influence of somebody you may not have known in the past, but now you, you know them maybe at a distance, maybe it's an acquaintance, maybe it's not a close friend, but you're getting to know this individual, and the more you get to know this individual, the more you seemingly like this individual, and it's not that you're liking them because you're on the same page as far as pulling for the same sports team, having the same hobbies or anything like that. It's kind of like a magnet being drawn to a magnet because of their character. It so represents what you desire to have inside of you. I, I do my best to try to hang around people who are really extremes, if I can just be honest and transparent with you. I will hang around people who does not seem to have the character that I have, and that's not being braggadocious. Anything that I have comes from God and his word because it is my desire to hopefully see them come to know Christ. The very reason we went to Missouri was for that purpose, to see people who are far from God come to know God. And I know that people who are far from God, they don't love others and, and they steal from others and they lie and they cuss and they cheat. They do all these things because that's the way the world operates. And if you have never experienced that, we have planned another mission trip before too much longer. And you can go on that mission trip and you can, you can get into situations like we got into this past week to where one guy was in Founders Park standing on a monument. It's kind of a weird deal. You have to be there to know it, I guess. And there was a lady standing there, standing beside her bike and, and they're just railing at each other. And so my group is waiting and we're not gonna, we're, we were told to go to Foundry Park. We can go there and minister to a lot of people who are homeless. And, and so all of a sudden I'm, I, I feel the need to go there. And there was a few in my group that did not feel the need for me to go there because it was a hostile situation. As I'm walking, somebody that I love very dearly is saying, Andy, you, 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 you get over here, right? And so, but we walk over there and there's a couple of men that come with me, Ellison and Mark, and, and, and we go over there and we try to help diffuse the situation because we felt like the woman was in danger and the character is not a character that represents Christ. 
because we're taught to love one another and be generous with one another and give. And so there's one end of the spectrum, but here's another end of the spectrum to where there are people who have, who have gone before me in this walk of faith and they've got character that I admire and I look in the mirror of, of myself and I say, Andy, you don't have that. And so you need to get around them because they have that. A friend of mine, Scott Cockrell, he'll be preaching youth camp again this year. Always does a phenomenal job. Scott said this last year, and I've heard him say it for a long time. He and I was roommates at William Carey in college together. But he said, show me your five closest friends, and I can tell you your future. Did you hear what I just said? Show me your five closest friends, and I can tell you your future. Why? Because we are influenced by those that we're around. Stephanus, obviously, with Fortunus and Achaicus, they had character that was so overwhelmingly known that the Holy Spirit of God said, Paul, remember their names and put them in a book that will last for thousands of years so that saints a long way from now will be able to hear and be encouraged by that. It's amazing. And so... So Paul says, these families, one thing I like about that verse 15, he says, you know the house of Stephanus. Stephanus was not just isolated in character that was exemplified all on his own, but that it was contagious within his household. And his household seemed to pull a Joshua 24, 15. How many of you guys remember that verse? Joshua 24, 15. It's not going to be on the screen. But it's when Joshua is getting ready to establish the nation of Israel in their new homeland, that land that was promised of God, flowing of milk and honey. And he says, as for me and my house, we choose to serve the Lord. It was kind of one of those moments in life to where it was a flag planted. It was a, a line that was drawn. It was, I'm here and this is where I'm going to be and nothing else in this world's going to move me from this place. Stephanus was kind of like that. Stephanus, obviously, don't know all of the personal points of his life, but obviously he seemed to love his wife and he raised his kids in a healthy home. I'm sure that Stephanus, even though there were times to where he did without, I'm sure that he was the kind of man who would pay his bills, show up for work on time. He was the kind of guy who would volunteer when spiritual requirements and desires was needed within the body of Christ. I mean, a church was started in his home, so he had a passion for these things. I can look at the first century church and see a letter like this, even though the church at Corinth was so messed up. I can see some Christians in a family who are trying to lead with some liberty. You see, Paul says, unto these guys, you need to submit unto. Paul would have never told anybody to submit unto anybody unless he knew the first anybody had a relationship with somebody. Right? He had that connection with God, and he knew that, that this is the thing. Guys, I want you to trust me as your pastor as, as long and as far as you see me following God. But if I ever stop, and by the way, just a side note, I ain't. If I ever stop, you stop. Right? And so 
They're seeing this guy. There's a Christian family. And and what we need to see today is Christian families who stand up and say, I'm going to follow God. I'm going to stand. I'm going to lead with some liberty here in this world that is so messed up. Do we all agree this morning that, that the world's in a mess? I mean, they can't even define what a woman is. Folks ain't, ain't figuring out what clothes to wear. I mean, the world's in a mess, right? The government's all awry. Parties are fighting against parties. The world's in a mess. And so what the world needs is not a new policy, a new rule, a new law, more legislation. The world does not need that. The United States of America does not need that. Mississippi does not need that. Scott County does not need that. You know what we all need? Christian families who are leading with liberty. And so what does that look like? What does it look like for Christian families to lead with liberty? We need to be first. Christian families are to to be first. And I know that sounds selfish, right? You're you're thinking, wait a minute, Andy, that that goes against the flow of things that I remember Jesus says. He says, those who will be first will be last, and those who will be last will be first. And and I get that. but, But I want you to understand, when I say be first, I don't mean cutting in front of line at McDonald's. Right? But I mean, like Stephanus was the first fruits of Achaia. He was a leader in his culture. He was a leader in his town. When the truth was proclaimed, when the gospel was extended, here Stephanus stands up with his family and says, this is the truth. This is our answer. This is going to free us. This will change our lives. This is what we've been looking for. Why don't we, as the church, be Christian families who be the first to stand up when we recognize truth? Why don't we be first when we are, are the first that recognizes a lie or something that is against the truth? You see, we are to be first in some senses as we are to stand up and we are to step out and we are to stand on the truth. And, and Paul recognizes this first fruit of mentality. And, and so what I'm saying is maybe this morning you with your family and you say, well, Andy, some of my family's not even here this morning. It's okay. Lead with liberty this morning as you are under authority to step out and say, we are going to be first to stand for truth. We are going to be first that speaks up for Jesus. We are going to be first who leads in our home with liberty as we share the word of God together. We are going to be first to step up and pray for somebody who is in need. We are going to be first to go to the nations with the gospel. We are going to be leaders. Because if you notice what a leader does, a leader leads. You see, there's, there's two kinds of thoughts when we think of movements. Of movement can happen in one of two different ways. Either a person is in the back driving or a person is in the front and they're leading. (laughs) A person in the back, as they are driving, man, they're, if you're, just get this mentality of a shepherd. I think that might help us out a little bit. If a shepherd has to drive his sheep, all he gets to see is a bunch of sheep butts, okay? 
I mean, that's not, a, that's not a fun thing. Think what he's walking through. He has to walk through a lot of stuff on the ground that wasn't there before the sheep got there. The sheep gets there and they leave him a lot of stuff and he's having to walk through it because he's a driver. You see, if, you, if you're the kind of person who has to drive your family, all you see seeing is their backside and dealing with a lot of crap. Right? God didn't create you to be that. He created you to be out front. You know what happens when you're out front? You're speaking. They're hearing your voice. When there's a distance, they tell the distance. The distance is closed. The gap is closed. You look back and you see faces. Faces have eyeballs, right? And they're looking to the leader. That's what, that's what we're supposed to do inside of our family. That's what we're supposed to do with culture. Culture doesn't dictate what the Christian does. The Christian is able to dictate what culture does. Come on, right? And, and so the, the, that's how we are as Christian families are to be. We're to be first, but also we're to be addicted to the right thing. How many things can we find ourselves addicted to? And I know here at Embrace, the first thing we think of is drugs and alcohol, pornography. There's a whole lot more to addiction than just those things. Some of us are addicted to Big Macs. I don't have it in my notes, but this is the point where I drink water. Chocolate cake. Some of us are addicted to sports. Some of us are addicted to being liked. Some of us are addicted to social media and the responses we get from that. And whenever it, we don't get the response that we want from that, it absolutely destroys us. That's how we know we're addicted, right? We, we can be addicted to approval and, and, and we can be addicted to so much and it seems like the Christian world is getting caught up in the world's worlds of addictions and you don't have to be there. One thing that we learned in our devotions with a guy who wrote a book, Change for the Poor, Mark McNelly, he led Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday on this mission trip to, to Missouri and he talked about a void being filled by Jesus. Think about, and this is not the exact wording of how he, how he said it, but I've had a long time to think about it, so I've added my own. Made it better. So, <laughs> oh, that was terrible. So, <laughs> so he, he said, when a person is saved, Jesus fills the void. Sometimes when we're living our life and something happens to us, the way we, re we react to that something, let's just say somebody does something to you and you get angry and you want to flash out at them, you're flashing out from a void. If you'll only think, God has already filled that void, I don't need to flash out. <laughs> Somebody cusses at you, I don't need to cuss at them. My void has been filled. Somebody takes from you, you don't have to take back from them. My void has been filled, right? I mean, uh, th th that, that could just play out to all kinds of situations. But the question is, is the void filled? Is the void being filled in you? Every time you approach a, a situation, a, a, a temptation in life, you've got the privilege to see whether or not there is a void filled in you. So be addicted to the right thing. Be addicted to the Christ who fills the void. But more than that, he goes on and says in verse 15, he says, that they have, the house of Stephanus, who were the first fruits of Achaia, have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. How have they done that? Well, there's some verses that follow that that recognize helping 
laboring, supplying, rest, uh, um, refreshing. These things are the actions of those who have addicted themselves to the right thing. Have you, have you found yourself addicted to Bible study, prayer time, sharing the gospel, giving generously, forgiving other people's sins against you? Have you found yourself addicted to serving the saints, helping, laboring beside? Is, have you found yourself addicted to encouragement, refreshing? You say, well, this is, if I'm just honest with you guys, this is most of the time we look at these things. The things that, the, 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 the pleasure things that drive our adrenaline, those are the things we're addicted to. The spiritual disciplines that we are to walk in, we see that as fun and that as duty. Somebody better say amen. I'm going to preach 15 minutes longer. <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. That's a duty. I've got to do I've got to have my Bible study. I've got to pray. I got, or I won't have the favor of God if I don't do all of these things and try to stop doing these things over here. Gossiping and lying and Try to stop doing these things over here. Find yourself addicted to those. Instead of addict, let's flip the script on it. Say, Andy, how do I do that? Well, the way I understand how addiction has gone in my life, first you got to get a good taste of it. When you get that good taste, you hook, line, and sinker. You need to get a good taste in your Bible study. You need a good, good taste in your prayer time. You need to get a good taste of, of sharing the gospel. You need to get a good taste of encouraging somebody and seeing what happens. You see, sometimes we need to be addicted to the right thing. The last thing is this. Be willing, not hiding. Be willing, not hiding. Christians a lot of times hide. Christians hide. They shrink back. They don't want to be seen, noticed especially when it comes time for volunteering time, you know. Uh, don't, don't call on me, don't ask me. Here what we find is, is these Christians here who have been the first fruits of Achaia, they've addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Verse 17, in the latter part of that verse, it says, for that which was lacking on your part, they have supplied. For they have refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore, acknowledge them that are of such. There were Christians who were willing, but there were Christians in that day who were hiding. There were Christians who stepped up and stood out and stood on the truth. And there were Christians who decided just to keep on the same old, same old. I mean, it's, it's like a rat in a cage running real hard but getting nowhere. That's what Christians do when they're hiding, right? And he says, there were some who who are willing. The question is for you, are, are you, are you willing to be that Christian family who leads with liberty? Or are you going to be the kind of Christian family who shrinks back and hides? See, that which is hidden cannot be seen. That's pretty, y'all writing that down? That which is hidden cannot be seen. Let me just read a, a verse. I wouldn't plan on this, but I'm going to read this verse. Listen to this. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we don't give up or faint not. 
but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. And whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. <laughs> you see, when you're hiding, you're not only hiding you, you're hiding Jesus from a world that desperately needs Jesus. So why not be willing and step up? Is there any Christian families this morning who is willing to lead with liberty? And it may be that maybe the youth that raises their hand this morning and says, you know what, I know that my parents really ain't into this Christian thing, but I am, so I'm going to lead my, my home with this. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's a, a father who's got some rebellious kids or a, a mother who's married to a knucklehead. And that, that's a lot of us who needs to stand up this morning and say, you know what, I'm willing to lead with some liberty. I lead with liberty because I understand that I'm under this authority from God. And if there's anything you experience this morning, I can guarantee you this. It is the authority of the presence of the Holy Spirit who is resting in this place. And it'll be up to you to make a decision. He'll either affirm it or convict you of it. And so it's your choice this morning. What you gonna do?